from a cozy sound booth in downtown Chicago. It's the American Soccer Show. Much warmer Chicago these days. Eric Alcantar here with Emma McConnell. And we're here to talk all things soccer in America. Wild day today. Liverpool and Roma just finished up 13 goals on aggregate. It seems like it's it's a spreading across the globe. Last week we had the 46 goals in MLS. Now this. I think, I think Europe's taking note of MLS and seeing how good American soccer is. Do you think so? No. No. <laughs> anyway, how are we doing today, Eric? Uh, we're doing all right. The weather has finally warmed up, so I, I think everybody's kind of in a more pleasant mood, all things considered. Yeah, it's it's nice because you, you're outside. It's wonderful weather. But then you come inside, and I need a sweater because this building just you, blasts is, the Is it AC. cold to you? Uh, earlier today, I feel it was good. freezing. I can well. imagine in the morning how it would feel that way, though. It, but it was nice outside. That's the thing. It's like I'd rather be outside. Well, I mean, yeah, it's nice weather. I'd be out, rather be outside. But just because it was so cold, it was like this... Nothing just good just ever. don't turn the AC, don't turn the heat, just let it be. Nothing good ever happened outside, come on. No. Yeah, I'd rather be inside. For, normally, that's why it's an odd <laughs> statement to say I'd rather be outside. You know, what? you know what it is, though? You know what happened outside last week? The CONCACAF Champions League final. Chivas did, in fact, defeat Toronto in penalties. Uh, it's been about a week, so I'm sure everybody already knows what happened. You've seen the highlights. You've heard literally everybody in the world have a take on it at this point. So we're, we'll keep it brief, but I, I do want to talk about sort of how it all came to be, right? Because we're watching it in a car on our way back from class, <laughs> which is just as amazing as it sounds. Now, keep in mind, it's me and Emmett and two other people. Or was it? Or, no, Connor it was day. just Connor that day. So... We're just sitting there in the car listening to this game in Spanish, of course, because that's what I have in my TV subscription. So I'm watching the game in Spanish, and Emmett and Connor don't speak any Spanish, basically. Yeah, I don't mind. I, I listen to the, I watch game. I don't listen to them, to be fair. I watch games in Spanish because that's sometimes the only option. Well, it was so extremely it, intense. I'm used to it. It was, yes. it was a fun game back and forth. Uh, Toronto will probably think they may deserve better, although Chivas, I think, have every right to believe that they... Uh, they they earned it as well, especially their second leg performance was, I think, probably their best of the tournament just because they dominated entire stretches of that game. Uh, Javinko and Josie Altidore were basically chasing the ball around the field for a solid half hour. But I also think this is the first time we've really seen Giovinco playing to his best. Oh, yeah, he was phenomenal uh, in that game. He, he looked, a little bit, looked a little weak. No, not weak, but he just not to his usual self earlier in the year. So he was really good and really... Toronto almost had it at the end. Marky Delgado. Delgado. You got to put that in, right? Poor guy. Or at least put it on target. That's a Wondolowski play right there. <sighs> Wondolowski, oh, don't even get me started on that. Uh, yeah, Marky Delgado. There are some people throwing Josie Altidore, some hate. I don't know why. He gets subbed out because of an injury, and he scores. Like, he's scored in, he scored against America. He scored against Tigris. Like, I, I of course, Bradley gets the most hate. Well, Bradley probably deserves a little more. Somebody made an astute observation where they said that uh, – Bradley was kicking the penalty spot, you know, to kind of get the kind of get the the right spot for his uh, for to place the ball down, and someone like swears that they were watching the play and the ball just ever so slightly rolled forward just a little bit, so the ball was no longer where he placed it when he started backing up. And they think that that might be why he was skied it because it no, just got no, too far. No, no, no. But just think of the physics of it, right? Oh. When the ball is rolling forward, it's less likely to be skied, and you're gonna hit it further high up higher up on the ball than you're expecting. So if you weren't expecting that, that's one thing. If he saw it happening and he tried to make an adjustment and so he hit it a little bit lower, that's one thing. But I don't see a player making that adjustment unless he was trying to go just high down the middle. I mean, it was an awful it. penalty, so I don't know what he was no, trying to do. I think he was tired. I think he was trying to be a little cocky and blast it. Uh, but I think the guy's gotten a lot of hate. But, you know, before it was Americans, now it's the Canadians, so <laughs> I don't know. I think Mexicans are the only people that like him at this point. No, I don't. And his involvement in the national team, I'm going to go ahead and say the man might as well just leave the continent in North America because he's, he's running out of space. He's running out of places Real, or he's quite refuge. Yeah. So our congratulations go out to Chivas for winning. MLS will have to wait at least another year before lifting this ever-so-important trophy. And uh, my message to Guadalajara would simply be pay your players, please. Good Lord. After all of that, and congratulations to... To Toronto, it was a good run. They, I think, Man, they did very well against big teams like Club America and Tigres. I mean, that one of the more difficult routes they had to go. It seemed like Chief Austin had as easy a route, but still, pay your players, guys. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> they still had to take down Seattle, the Sounders, and New York Red Bulls, which were or two. Maybe not the Sounders as much, but not I, easy. Win. I'm not still easy. disappointed that Seattle didn't advance. I wanted to see them play a Champions League game at Safeco. That would have been amazing. It would have been all right. I, th- I know you're waiting to see a Champions League game in uh, Yankee baseball. Stadium. Oh, yeah. Well, that might be next season, so we'll have to Maybe. wait and see. All right. Let's head around the league for this week. We'll start Friday. The Vancouver Whitecaps 
take down Real Salt Lake 2-0. It's kind of a bounce-back game for Vancouver, who wins for the first time after three consecutive losses. Yeah, Vancouver still kind of lacking uh, Kai Kamara up there, but Anthony Blondell gets his first goal. Big moment of the match, though, is a uh, penalty on uh, the lesser-known Bessler brother uh, <laughs> plays for Salt Lake. Um, just absolutely takes down his man. Uh, Christian Teixeira te- steps up, takes it. He's on a yellow card, buries it, and then takes his shirt off. I love that. And celebrates. And Worth I, it. I, I messaged you about it. I was like, what is he thinking? And you were just, and you said, hashtag worth it. That's all it you said back. totally worth it now. It this doesn't happen too much too often, especially not in the 76th minute when plausibly there was still a way back. But yes. Uh, yeah, and it was funny because Blondell goes and picks up his jersey, and Waston and his teammates put a crowd around him, and block him off in the referee so maybe he can get his shirt back on, <laughs> on time. But it's like, who missed that he took off his shirt? Everyone's like, oh. You can see, like, fans were like, just, like, head oh, in hands. Like, no. he scored, but what are you thinking? Uh, he gets the red card. Vancouver does get another one, but that was mental. I love it. I love it. These Friday night MLS games are really, really starting to add to the entertainment I'm a, value of the I'm weekend. a fan, I have to say. I'm a fan of the Friday night games. Yeah. We'll head over to Saturday now. Atlanta United 4, Montreal Impact 1. Atlanta United continue their you know home dominance. But this game's actually one nothing in favor of Montreal thanks to a 13th-minute goal from Safir Tider, who we've been critical of so far this season. We think he really hasn't been earning his keep. But he, he puts them ahead here on a good cross by yeah, Cristobal. Absolutely. Uh, and the fullbacks have been providing pretty good delivery for Montreal so far. I think Lovitz has two assists so far. Du- Duval, I think he had a strong game. He does give away a penalty which was a little unlucky, but he, he impressed me today. And good for Ty Dare because he's, I, he, I don't know. I think he's he, had a rough start. He, he hasn't honestly. been great. The, the goal, he gets just enough space. It's a good diving header, but you could see how much it meant to him. You, you could see how excited he was. He, he looks like he's been so frustrated, and especially when you get later on in that game, the frustration built back again, and he, I, I kind of felt bad for the guy because anytime something went wrong, you could see how frustrated he was getting. You see how much it gets to him. So I'll... A bright moment in an otherwise dark game for Montreal there. Yeah, uh, and I mean, but after the goal, sort of, it was an, an onslaught by Atlanta. Montreal have now given up because of the scoreline twenty-one goals this season in eight matches. That's three goals a game. That's you're not getting anywhere with that. Uh, the next closest team has only given up seventeen. So they they need to shore up that defense, and it seemed like they tried to this game. But it just wasn't there. It's just, uh, I mean, I don't know what the solution for them is, but it, I, it has to be better defensively because it's just not working. So I, I think this one, compared to others, was is not as much their their fault. Two free kick goals from the <laughs> maestro Kevin Kratz. I never thought I'd say that. Man. Uh, but they, they really were I great. I hope you picked him up and, in MLS Fantasy pen- this week. And a penalty. Uh, I had Almiron as my captain, oh, so okay. I think I can sleep well. One other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, it was Lorenowitz who was subbed off for Vialba after halftime. Now, Atlanta were chasing this game, though the 45 minutes seemed more like a planned substitution. Uh, it was one of those deals where you tell them, all right, look, I'm putting you in in the second half, regardless of situation, I'm assuming, unless you know, you're know you up like 5 nothing or something crazy like that. Yeah, uh, it was a little surprising for me. Vialba was good, though. I, I thought he provided really good energy. But uh, it's Tata did change his... His uh, his tactics a little bit. He he's I think he still wants a DCM. We've been talking about this a defensive center mid because he did bring on Kratz, who's a more of a, a deep lying player who did sit back and kind of play the little Renowitz position. So he did give Vialba and try the Nagby at six a little bit, and I think this was the perfect game for it because Montreal just sat back. How often do you see an MLS team do that? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean. I don't know. I don't know what his starting eleven is going to be. I would think you have to because you have to start Barco. We already talked about this last week. He really impressed me this game. Barco, he, Barco very, looks very good, strong. and he's going to have to start once he's fully fit. And it looks like he's getting closer and closer to getting ninety minutes fit, more mm-hmm. necessarily. Absolutely. You have to start Almiron. He who, was electric. That, every time I watched that guy play, it's... he was phenomenal in this game. Absolutely phenomenal. And there's one where he hit the post oh. too. So I mean, he could have had more. Uh, Joseph Martinez is going to have to play. He, he's been great for them. I, I'm just saying, I and I just don't know how you keep Villalba on the bench. You paid big money bringing Nagby. It looked like the fort, the back, isn't really working for them. So it looks like they want to play five, so they can put guys like Garza and Gressel further up the field. Right. So, and, it, it all, and, I mean, also, I think that is something that could allow you to play Villalba, Amiron, Barco, and Martinez at the same time because it allows you to have an extra center back on the field, and you can perhaps even kind of play it in a way where Garza is 
very rarely contributing an attack because if you're going to bring on Vialba, perhaps you can have Vialba fill the space that Garza would perhaps normally fill. Yeah, but on the left hand side. I, I'm really, I'm really interested by Tata's tactics because he pushes up guys like McCann and uh, Gonzalez Perez really far for outside backs, uh, which kind of leaves two center backs who then kind of plays a normal two center back formation. So it seems like when you do that, you do need a center defensive mid. So it's either keeping a guy like Lorenzo Kratz sitting back, or keeping all three of those guys hanging back, and maybe you know one of them stepping into defensive mid position. I suppose we will see once everybody is back. It'll be a headache to, for him for sure. He's I, not really a bad one to have, that's for sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to Toronto and Chicago Fire, who had a two-two draw this weekend in Toronto. I have a confession to make to you. And that is that I turned this game off at 2-0, and I told you it's already over. I'm not <laughs> proud of this. And I think, and I like to think, that the fire made their comeback because I turned it off. Clearly it, it was me. You. Clearly it, it was me. You. I, you know, I started off watching this game, and you know, they go down 2-0, and I'm out. Clearly it was me. Something, something I was doing was giving them the bad energy in this one, so I'm glad I tuned out. And we'll happily do it if it means more better results in the you future. You took one for the team, and I'm proud of you. Yeah. Uh, I, but they all, they had that too. They had a second one. They only have two goals taken off from VAR. But so I also confession for me. I also turned off the game before it was over. Um, wow. All right. Uh, but here's I the thing. I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I think this is going to come up again later today uh, when we talk about some other games. There's a moment when you're watching a soccer game, usually between the 89th minute and then the stoppage time, where you can kind of tell that this team's not going to score. It usually comes, usually, after a really good chance gets wasted. Yes. You say this is your Happens chance. Happens every time. Um, if I, I'm, I don't want to spoil anything, but I'll, I'll bring it up later when they come up. Uh, there was two instances, one instance of a game where <laughs> I, I knew the goal was still coming and one where I, I knew it was over once something happened. Uh, so Alan Gordon misses a sitter in stoppage time, like the 90th minute once stoppage time in typical starts. Alan Gordon fashion. And I think that's it. They're, they're not going to get another chance. And so I turned it off for, you know, there's other games going on. Uh, I got other stuff to do. Uh, but, you know, they, they proved me wrong. And I'm, I'm happy with that. It's a good good road result for the fire. Yeah, and I mean, Jovinko was wrecking havoc early in this one, uh, which is why I honestly thought that once it was 2 nothing, I'm like, oh, man, Chicago's just going to pay for all of Toronto's misfortunes. You know, they're going to let a lot of frustration here. They're just, they might even, like, this could get ugly. I, I maybe, I was thinking about, maybe let's just sit this Early one on, back. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, so the fire are down 2 nothing, and they get a PK after a, a VAR review determines Nikolic was, in fact, hacked down, hacked down by Morgan. I think it's a fair call. Uh, I am a little biased, though, so forgive me if you disagree. I say it too. I saw it. Yeah, okay. So, and then in typical fire fashion, they get the good break because of the VAR. And they have the penalty saved anyway. Yeah, it's really not. A, it was not a great penalty. And you know, far be it from me to question Schweinsteiger's penalty taking skills, but yeah, he could have done better. I'm going to go ahead and question his oh, penalty taking. Oh my goodness! Well, first of all, you have a guy like Nikolic, who is your goal scorer, who's your guy, who's your Golden Boot winner, who takes penalties from very often. Why is he not taking it there? Uh, yeah, you have to ask Valko Panovic after the game. It's too bad you didn't make the trip. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a little bit outside my budget to go anywhere outside of uh, Chicago Land. <laughs> really? Area. It takes you like a half hour to get to Bridgeview, it would take, sure? It would be faster it for me to fly to Toronto than get to <laughs> Bridgeview. But uh, on the other side, really happy for Bono after losing the penalty kick shootout and then coming and saving a penalty the next game. He's still got a guess right. He's still got to make the save. So uh, that was really awesome to see from a young goalkeeper personally. And he, he had a great first half. So he has shown yeah. very little, if any, ill effects of losing that game in the penalty shootout on He's Wednesday impressed night. me as a goalkeeper. He really came back strong from that. I was going to say, uh, you know, early in the season we had talked about Zach Steffen perhaps being in line and certainly will be in the conversation for U.S. men's national team keeper when the time comes to anoint one. Yeah. i got to say, Bono has put himself right in the middle of that conversation. Absolutely, and they're, they're both young guys who are have, have exciting talent who still need to develop a little bit, to be fair. Both of them still have a little bit of ways to go. Uh, I still... I'm wondering if they're going to stick with guys like Guzan, who's not that old, uh, and Howard to kind of stay in the position until these guys kind of do come into their own. Give them chances here and there. I think they might have to just go with it. Look, the U.S. is not going to play. They've been young guys. The U.S. isn't going to play another competitive game until 2019 in the summer, regardless well, of whether that's the Copa America, whether that's the Gold Cup. I, I just think that at this point, they're all going to be friendlies. You might as well just play the That's what I'm saying. Like, they've maybe been playing a, young guys. Maybe a testimonial for Howard, who I believe would absolutely be deserving of a, a dedication mm-hmm. match for him and Clint Dempsey and some others. 
the same time? No, I mean, <laughs> uh, we only have so many Jermaine friends. Jones, he's still playing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree, yeah. but uh, these, they've been, they have been pl- uh, playing the youngsters, so yeah. we'll probably see more of it. Let's, uh, let's also be fair to Bastian Schweinsteiger, who does make amends in the second half of the header. This man just does everything. He heads the ball into the goal. He, he takes long-distance shots. He passes. He makes great crosses. He plays center back when you ask him to. What more could you ask He's a, he's a class player, and he's very talented. That was just good awareness for him to stick around and kind of just drift. Once that ball is played um, and headed and de- deflected and getting in front of the goal for that, you know, you, you yeah. get lucky sometimes. Like, I don't want to say lucky. It's good instincts. Yeah, it's not luck. It's great. Well, you have, to be, um, you have to be in position to get lucky if you want to say it that it, way. Yeah, I, That's actually the perfect way of saying it. Yeah. yeah. So, the, And that was my uh, striker mentality, FYI. you got to be in the right position if you want to get lucky when the ball gets there. Yeah, things happen. So the second goal is a stoppage time trademark by Alan Gordon. That was his seventh stoppage time goal to equalize or take the lead. I thought you were going to say uh, vintage Alan Gordon was missing the, the sitter and stoppage oh, time. No, well, that, that, earlier? Was, that was, that's like... They're both vintage point. Gordon. He's a stoppage, ki- stoppage time type of player. Yeah. So uh, it was a better second half from the fire. I think they took advantage of perhaps Toronto maybe coming out with a lot of energy and then at yeah, the end absolutely. kind of not being able to find it anymore. Look, they've, had, they've been through a lot. So I don't know that anybody could be disappointed with how they came out for this one. Yeah, and it's their first r- real full game back. So, uh, But I think they took that foot off the pedal after a strong first half. They go up 2 nothing. They think, okay, we got this. The penalty is saved. They're still up 2 nothing at that point, I believe. So it's... You know, it, I think they'll turn it around, but it will. It may take a little more time, which they are. We're heading for May now, and they're still at the bottom of the East, so there's gonna there's gonna have to be some yeah some big results coming through in the next I few. Think weeks. There's a little bit of a lack of mental fortitude, but I think they have a chance to win their next match. They should win their next match. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of winning, nobody stop me if you've heard this one before. The Philadelphia Union defeated DC United three to two. I'm pretty sure this is their like now 8-1-1 one, one at home against D.C. United. So I'm going to stop you because I have heard that before. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you can go ahead and stop yeah, me, but I'm, no. I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for you to tell me all the great things that Philadelphia did in this game. No, I, I, I actually don't want to do that um, because they were dominant, right? But they, they barely won that game. It's, now, that's just barely. insane. The Union outshot D.C. United 23-4. to and they won 3-2. So give D.C. United some credit where it's due. Converting on half oh, your shot's a good way to win a lot of games. D.C. defended well, uh, despite giving up three goals. Uh, they probably should have done more in the midfield to keep the ball, be tidier in possession, uh, and escape pre- the pressure that the Union was putting. But I'm still kind of wondering why Philadelphia is putting themselves in positions to get counterattacked against this young back line. Because um, even with a guy like Ray Gaddis back there, it's still a young back line. Um, so giving up two goals off basically the only two real shots DC had, uh, the first a really good counterattack that just cut apart the, the Union defense. It started with a giveaway, which should have been better, but DC is effective. And then it's a good cross, and Maddox just puts it away. But Jack Kelly's like the only man in the box on that cross. Like they, I just think they need to support the defenders more, but. You can't argue with the win, I guess. I mean, we're going to go ahead and say it like this. Yeah, seriously, the Union had only scored once in their previous five matches. So, I mean, three goals here was like... It was like a a man stuck in the desert finally finding an oasis and getting to drink fresh water. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they were starving for goals. I mean, you can bring up any statistic about their offense so far. Like, they've had like... it's not good, They've had so... Like, how I think they're either first or second in the league in shots behind Sporting Kansas City. Uh, But they're last in the league in goals scored with... They had three before this. Now they have six. Some simple math brings me to deduce that the Union have doubled their goal output in this game after the season. Congratulations. In how many? Six games or so. So Congratulations to, DC, uh, to Philadelphia Union. I was going <laughs> to congratulate D.C. United on well, the job. Well done. <laughs> I mean, they came out with the first goal, and then they had an equalizer late in the game. I... Most of this game, I didn't think the Union was going to come out with the win. For most of this game, <laughs> even when they were That's up. unfortunate. I'm sorry you have to feel that way. I know the feeling, though. So, uh, you know, D.C. do score twice despite not having Paulo Ariola out there, which I think is good for their confidence going forward. And, I mean, look, again, like we said, reinforcements are on the way, though not in this latest transfer window. So they might be too far gone this season by the time they do come in the summer. But we'll have to see. Their, their, their own stadium opening is coming soon. I, yeah, I'm going to have to disagree. I think they're going to be better than they were last year. They it's had, hard not to be better. I oh, mean, like, yeah, well, that's kind <laughs> of beside a, that. Unfortunately point. for they, them, they they have guys like Paul Ariola, Yamil Assad. Now, um, they have some players who are willing to work hard and put in shifts. Their defense looks organized, 
But that's that's a nice compliment that they're organized as well, they give well, up three goals to the team that couldn't score to save their lives. But the thing is, so certain things just went happened for the union, right? Like Borak Dochkal just gets a, he looked frustrated, smashes in the roof of the net. <laughs> CJ Sapong, it's a diving header five miles an hour, and it you know just barely goes in the net. It was the union were just show, very frustrated. They got a couple good chances. That Sapong goal was. Basically, Steve Birnbaum calling for a foul and holding everyone on side. I hate that so much. So, I hate when that happens. Yeah, I, I think that it's more down to the D.C. allowing too much pressure on themselves and thinking they could just absorb pressure than look going out and hit on the counter more often. Because I, I think they have that ability, and they could, they'll be more dangerous as the year goes on and in a new home. Well, we're all cheering for you, D.C. Got to get back on your feet sooner or later. Yeah, I mean, historic club. Right, got to see something from them. Columbus Crew 2, San Jose Earthquakes 1. The crew finally get back in the win column thanks to an 84th-minute goal by Mike Grella. I like him as a player. He's exciting, willing to take people on the dribble. Uh, pretty quick, tall. Um, I And, again, he's a Red Bulls player, so that's me saying that at a Red Bulls player. Uh, though I, I do like a lot of Red Bulls players. I think they play pretty well. So I'm happy to see him get back on the score sheet. Good for him. The New England Revolution defeats Sporting Kansas City 1-0. So we always talk about winning on the road being tough. Well, this is what happens when the best team in the West has to go to the fortress that is Gillette Stadium. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, kind of. That's They had fans in that stadium. Yeah, yeah it was they, a that, solid crowd. That didn't look like a, uh, and, you know, I'm going to have to drag both of us down to this one. A, uh, a Chicago fire attendance or Philadelphia Union attendance or Excuse dare me, I when, say a Columbus when crew Zlatan attendance. was here the place was packed <laughs> when Zlatan yeah but you know you're looking at Talent Energy Toyota Park Matt Frey Stadium usually Gillette Stadium pretty poor attendance records that one looked looks like the fans are getting on board 17,000 not bad and I mean look this was I mean a fairly high profile matchup in the sense that a good team was coming to town obviously yeah. not a lot of household names on that uh on that Kansas City team, unfortunately for them, because I believe that there are players that would absolutely deserve to be. They deserve to be. But they're and not. New England's playing well, so the fans yeah. have a reason to come out and see their team play. Yeah, so, I mean, look, we've talked a lot about sporting Kansas City's success this season, so let's focus a little bit more on Brad Friedel and his New England Revolution getting their due, right? I mean, you were singing his praises before the start of the season. I wasn't sure I'm buying it, and I'm still not sure I am. But I, it's hard to argue with the results, right? Is this like me in Orlando and you with New England? Both I'm, of us aren't really I, sold. I am... I, skeptical, before but there's we less get there, talent on there's this team. more spoilers there uh, to come. Uh, yeah, Friedel, but here's the thing with that game. That was the most bizarre goal. It was, wasn't it? Like I was, it was. I was watching it. It was fluky. I think it's the best way to put it. It was a fluky goal. But look, here's the other thing, too. Normally, when that kind of thing happens, if you know Kansas City had dominated the rest of the game, I, I st- New England had creative a, a lot of chances after going up one nothing. I think that... And, and uh, you know, the only thing that they can really, that Sporting Kansas City can say about it is that Shelton will probably say to himself that he should score in the 94th minute. He's got a free header. He doesn't even put it on target. Yeah, Shelton's he works hard, but he has been struggling a little bit. Uh, I think this is a New England team that's, it's, it's, I think it's surprising people is just what it is. I think that Kansas City got a little surprised going into New England. The 84th uh, minute, by the way, on that header. Yeah. Uh, Before somebody Medill Fs me. <laughs> Someone so, goes back and like, there's no header in the 94th room. minute. Yeah, <laughs> he needs to get a goal. They need to get him a tap in or something. Marco, him with Marco Arena, just just need a goal because they've been putting in so much effort, doing so much dirty work, and it makes That's guys true. like Russell, like. Uh, Give me someone at LAFC. Carlos Vela. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that all? Yeah, we'll, that, we'll get that, to them. Only those guys. No one else. It makes it makes those kind of players look better and get goals. So I think he's an important player, but you got to put that away for your team if you're the striker. I, I think so, too. But, yeah, like I said, I, I, fluky goal maybe, but I think deserved. I think that, that, that that's the thing, right? I can say that they deserved a goal, maybe not necessarily that one. I think that's a fair assessment. And I think another thing is that's it's such like a – I don't know, like a youth team thing that, like your coach says, play to the whistle. Right. Right. Some kid hacks another kid down and stops like, oh, I fouled him. But the ref doesn't blow the whistle because he didn't see it. <laughs> and fair play to the ref because – It was the right call. He let it go, was able to go back at VAR and take a look and decided, yeah, it was Roger Espinosa who poked the ball back and it wasn't uh, – I'm sorry, I don't know the, the Revolution player in the incident. Um, uh, Bun- well, Bunbury scored. I have no idea who he tackled. I, I, I believe um, Roger Espinosa tackled – I can't say. I don't want to get me to left. So, uh, but, he, but he tackled some player and he poked it off of him. So it was fair play for Bunbury. To, he looked like he was just not trying, but he, he did. He put it I, away. I, the other thing, uh, before we move off of the revolution, I cannot believe their only designated player, and I know there's way more to a team than designated players, 
is a 30-year-old French center back. That was remarkable. Sitting fourth in the East, and that's their, you know, their highest paid player, basically. That is awesome. I I mean, hey, this is two teams that isn't exactly uh, a designated player heavy team. I mean, uh, Sporting Kansas City has Quaze, um, but they're not like big name. They're, they're not they're signing not. these big name players, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, so it's cool. It's very cool for me to see teams show success without having to get these players. And Sporting, to be fair, has been doing it for a while. All right, we move on. Minnesota United 2, Houston Dynamo 1. It's a good bounce-back win for Minnesota. Uh, you know, they showed a lot of character, I thought, going down early and coming back to win it at home because it looked like they may have finally turned the corner before they had to play Seattle, and Seattle just kind of, you know, took them down because they were on their own little comeback. Mm-hmm. So I was you know, I was really happy to see Darwin Quintero continue his uh, electric start in MLS, two goals and an assist in his three matches so far. Uh, Houston, you know, they had their chances, but I honestly... It, it comes back to the way trope slash cliche that I have been waiting to say on this podcast for a long time. Let's hear it. Do not forgive in this sport. When you forgive, you die. Is that is that a trope? You die? Well, you know, you lose, you die, whatever. The point I'm trying to make is that Houston, I think, forgave Minnesota United for giving a lot of chances to Houston. Houston did have a lot of chances, yeah. And so I, I just think that Minnesota taking advantage of it is proof that if you're Houston, when you have those kind of chances, you got to put them away. Yeah. Uh, speaking on Houston, they just they've still been inconsistent. I they're, they're, I think we've talked about them potentially being a very strong team potentially. Yeah. But having That's problems a lot of with potential incon- is kind of the problem right now. But having problems with inconsistency, I think they. Sh- I mean, I believe they should be in a playoff position right now. They're in eighth. They're behind Minnesota United though with another game to play. They- it's still early. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of early to be looking at the playoff. But I do see your point. We, we've talked about where they rank in, ter- in terms of that, like, you know, mid-cluster that I can't taking out the West, right? It's hard. It is hard. It's so hard to it's see. so inconsistent. Yeah. So we'll kind of keep an eye on them as well as where they go forward. Because if they're going to keep missing chances like that, I'm sure Minnesota will love to continue taking them. On the other hand, getting chances like that, we're going to exclude teams like the Union, usually means you're going to get goals. So when you recreate that many chances. So things might turn around for them. I mean, they turned around for the Union. And speaking, <laughs> speaking of teams, well, let's not get carried away on that one. Speaking of teams that may have turned the corner at least a little bit, the New York Red Bulls went to Los Angeles and won 3-2 to two against the Galaxy. Uh, the good news for the Galaxy is that Schmidt listened to me, and he played Gio Dos Santos behind Ibrahimovic rather than out wide, and he looked much better. Thanks for listening to the show, Coach. Uh, 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 him, Bob Bradley, I'm telling you. Somebody, the L.A. people, I think they know that you're coming after them. <laughs> yes. See, they're finally listening. It's only Velko Panovic even kind of listened to me. Uh, yeah, I, I was mean, calling for Lillard. Are you, how, are you sure you're not the coach of these teams? It is very sure possible, but I can't reveal that because it's off the record information. Oh, all right. Maybe, yeah. maybe, uh, maybe some other time. So I had good news for the Yellow Galaxy. The bad news is they still aren't defending very well. Uh, three goals, it's not going to cut it. And they're, they're just they're leaking. Constantly. It is like a bad leak that just won't go away for them right now, and they can't stop a nosebleed, it seems. Yeah. Um, they, it looked like they tried to move in like a 4 4 2 and to bring some balance and order into the team. But it, they're still, and I think they've always been this way, to be honest, like an offense heavy team. A team that, that is not is going to put very little thought into defense. And I mean, to be fair, as they should, I think their personnel kind of uh, fits. Now, I, I'd say this. Now, uh, Ola Kamara came out after the match and they talked to him about, you know, moving out wide. And he was like, well, it's not my preferred position, but, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to win. I like that. But here's the thing for if I'm Kamara or if I'm talking to Kamara now, man, you got to just stay there. He 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 has also sort of been invisible ever since the revival was lots on him yep. playing up top of them just Even wasn't before. working. Even before, Even before he wasn't doing great. Yeah. So two games before. I think that that if he wants to stay in the 11, he has got to make it work out there. And in this game, I thought he did just that. He looked he looked pretty good. Out there, in terms of other players moving around, you know, Sebastian Legette, because Allison Drini was then taking up on the right, they had, you know, he still wanted to play Legette, so he moves him into sort of a deeper midfield role next to uh, Perry Kitchen. And Legette himself came out and said that, you know, he, he kind of likes the, the role there. He feels like it, it suits his style. So is that perhaps a solution going forward? The only downside for Legette moving there is while, yes, there's competition on the wings and he's not likely to win it. I would like to point out that Jonathan DeSantos was still not back for this game. And when he comes back, I can't imagine you keep him out of the 11. So it would be down to Legit or Kitchen playing in that other sort of holding midfielder role. And I actually haven't been impressed with Kitchen all that much this season. So, I mean, perhaps Legit could win that spot and play next to Jonathan in the starting 
11. Yeah, I don't know. I think Kitchen, I still think he's a good player. Uh, I think he's important for this Galaxy team and kind of being a guy who protects the defense a little bit and allows a guy like Letjet. Wow, that's a terrible pronunciation. Uh, Let Jet. <laughs> you can make fun of me. It's tough. There's two L's. Letjet and um, when he's in, Jonathan Santos to move forward. Dos Santos. I, the was two just, Santos. I was like, what? That's, that's 0 for 2. Um that's not even a pronunciation. That's just not even his name. <laughs> it's not even the right name. But right, so guys like Zlatan are going to play. Alessandrini are going to play. Right. So you have the, the four, one forward and a right wing position taken. Uh, if you're going to play Dos Santos underneath, I honestly, and I have to say this right now, I, I honestly just don't see either of the Dos Santos brothers going anywhere as long as they're healthy. I, so. You pay them a lot of money. They're talented players. I, I think you want them out there uh, if you're the if you're head coach Siggy Schmidt, and that means that I think let Jet has to play over Ola Kamara on the wing. I think I'd rather have him out there. I think he's a better player. And he's he's more of a utility guy, right? He can play in center mid. He can come inside. He can he, he can make tackles. He can play defense. He does it all. So he's a guy I want I would want on the field personally. He he he's a very strong player in my mind. Yeah. And uh, as for the Red Bulls, uh Kaku Gamera hasn't really Found his consistency yet in MLS, but he looked pretty good in this one, and he get, he ends up burying the game-winning penalty. So of course, you know he'll he'll have some of the headlines going forward. I, I think he might have needed some confidence too. He, he's it's been kind of a weird start for them too because they also kind of put all their eggs in the Concacaf Champions League basket. Yeah, I, I I've been actually pretty impressed with Kaku. He hasn't produced much, but you can see the quality he has and how he's bought into Jesse Jesse Marsh's system. Um, oh, yes, the system. I love it. <laughs> the system. He. But another thing is he's he's playing in like a, a very much the creator role in this game uh, until uh, you know Valo comes on for Colin after an injury. Uh, he was kind of the guy who had to link up with Bradley Wright Phillips. I think we're seeing his talent shine through here. He's a very talented player. Uh, but, but the big talking point I think around that goal specifically was the penalty. I don't think I think the LA Galaxy fans were pretty pissed off that that was a penalty. Colorful language. Uh... Is that? Is that allowed? On, will I, the, well, uh, I, we're going to have to allow it because I'm not going back to edit it. Who, who's the commission that... Uh, uh, I don't think there is, there is anybody out Do there. Do we have a bleeper who's our I producer? Will, I will ask the mostly basketball people what kind of language they use, and we will determine from there. We'll go to the committee on podcasts. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think saying pissed off will be all right, <laughs> especially in this, in this position where players like uh, David Bingham, the goalkeeper, weren't afraid to voice their opinion on how they felt about the refereeing in that game. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw that it could have been called... Uh, you I think it could have, in that position. could have gone either way. You make the referee, for, you force the referee to make a decision. I just it, it, I, it, it could, could go. go. Uh, it st- it just stinks to give up to have a penalty that late in the game to decide the game. So I understand where they're coming from, but also you know, it's it, you're putting yourself in a position. It, it could go either way. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll head over to Soccer Sunday, where the Colorado Rapids hosted Orlando City. Orlando City win their fifth game in a row, going two one. In Colorado, Colorado did go up early thanks to a goal and a great run by Dominic Baggi. That was a phenomenal ball placed into him, and he just kind of outruns the defense. Both teams were wasteful of chances in this game, but Orlando happened to get a second thanks to a bad penalty given by Colorado. I just don't know what he's doing there. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to go back to that, that goal from Baggi. It was oh, okay. just for a second, quick second. First of all, it was a great start for them. I thought the first half they really... They were good. They, 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 they were, were strong. fantastic in the first half. Uh, they, they had they control of the, the game, and they played. It wasn't even that they weren't giving Orlando chances to move forward, but they were just they were stout on defense, and they attacked. And his, this is just a long ball over the top, and Badgie using his pace to beat Sané. Uh, and then he puts it away. Um, then going to the second half, Colorado seemed, I don't they lost something. Uh, but Perhaps the altitude was too much for them. Yeah, Yotun puts away the penalty, and before he went any further... That name, he, Yoshimaru Yotun might be my favorite name in, in sports got, right now. It's got alliteration. It's got a fun pronunciation. I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't know if he's my favorite in all of sports, but he's definitely got the best name in MLS right now. He can have the nickname Yoshi. <laughs> like the video game character. Oh, my goodness. Well, there you go. No, be careful. Nintendo might bring the podcast down for using their That's licensed characters. Be of. Yeah, there you go. Forget the language. But Orlando, in that second half, I think, was the stronger of the teams, and I... I give them credit for the win. As you should, because this is five straight wins, matches their young franchise's record, and I get to keep rubbing it in for another week that, or the team that I have officially started bandwagoning. Well, I mean, I could, say, I could say the same thing with New England, but... Uh, I, here, here, well, I'm, but I was giving you your due earlier. Yeah, well, barely. Mm. <laughs> uh, so, no, I, you know what, I'm, I'm with you now. I, 
I, I've seen Orlando play now. I've seen the kind of players they've had. They have good names. They have good talent. I mean, they have everything you could want in a team. And they're playing as a team, right? Like, you're not just having a bunch of guys who are big names like Adelaide Galaxy giving up goals. They did give up one goal today. But for the most part, they've been pretty pretty strong across the board. Um, for now, I'm, I think I'm going to back them to potentially make a sixth place in the playoffs. <laughs> um, but that's barring, uh, you know, teams maybe figuring them out or whatever. Nah. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's impressive. Honestly, I'm a big fan of Kleshton. He's such a talented player. Merrim's exciting. I'm wondering if they're going to do in the right wing because I don't think – of the guys that I think are more likely to drop off, I think it's Christopher Muller, the rookie. He's, oh, he's well, been, Right now it's kind of hard to say he's going to continue that pace, man. Yeah, and I think it's – given how he's playing, we should give him credit. But I'm going to be a little pessimistic here to think that – that's the one spot of the field that they might need to take a look at. and But he, he's, he's meshing well. I'll, I'll give him credit for that. NYC FC 3, FC Dallas 1. It's FC Dallas's first loss on the season. So there is officially not going to be an invincible MLS side just yet. Uh, Dallas hung in there for a while, but the firepower of NYC FC is just too much. And uh, David Villa, 400th and 401st goal for club and country. Legend. That's all you can say about him, right? Yeah, I mean, he's... I feel like he's phenomenal. He's, he's dominated everywhere he's gone, basically. Absolutely. And people talked about the retirement league stuff. David Villa is not ready for retirement. He's known, shown no signs. This that guy man, is, he is incredible. I hope he does stick around for at least one more year because if New York is in the uh, in the Champions League next year, they'll need that depth. I would love to have him out there. We're going up against Liga Mackey's sides. It was so fun to see Giovinco do it, for example. Like that was awesome. Yeah, Clint the, Dempsey doing it, and how pe- and how those teams try to deal with him because they did deal with Giovinco. I thought pretty well at times. They, yeah, they they man marked him all over the field. That, that's respect right there. Yeah, they 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 and uh, Villa is gonna be. I think it's gonna be the same thing. Uh, then here's the thing is, though, they do uh, – NYCFC, I think what people are starting to realize, they're no longer just Villa. That's looking like a complete team right Oh, now. they look phenomenal. And they and have other strike options. And your man, Patrick Vieira, he's got him, he's got him playing beautifully. He has, and and on a field that's about 45 by 30 <laughs> feet. So that's <laughs> he's very not getting impressive. Over that. He's I, not ne- getting... I will never get Speaking over that. Speaking of fields – it was the opening of Bank of California Stadium. LAFC 1, Seattle Sounders 0. Stop me if you've heard that scoreline before. Poor Seattle just can't seem to get away from LAFC's uh, great start to the season. It always kind of brings a tear to the eye, though, when they bring out a new soccer-specific stadium, and it looks like that. I mean, you know, as I, I was there. You know, I was, I, I've, been to, I've been to Chicago Fire Games at Soldier Field, and let me tell you, it wasn't pretty. Oh, they got fans in the seats. Yeah, those were the days. Uh, regardless, uh, you know, stopping being silly for a second, it, it's really cool to see that kind of thing open oh, up in downtown Los stadium. Angeles, to see them pack the place in, the atmosphere that looks like they're going to have. It's it's phenomenal. It and seems like they're going to be doing that consistently, too, yes. which is great for the league. It's great for them. And it's good for the players who've proven it on the road. And exactly. now they a chance they get to, to go the fans home. behind them. Oh, yeah. So uh, it was an interesting move by Bob Bradley. He heads back to his 4-2-3-1. Uh, Harvey still playing as the left back, so it looks like he may have usurped Joe Mochino for now. Uh, Rossi plays underneath Ureña this time, and Omar Gaber gets his first start in MLS opposite of, da- of oh my goodness, I almost called him David Vela. You can do it. No, I can't. Carlos Vela. There it is. <laughs> yeah, so that that was I, it was interesting that he threw Gaber out there, but he looked, he looked about man, 60 minutes fit, I think is kind of... What his limit is right now, yeah. Uh, but he, you know, his pace—he really brought a different kind of feel to their team. You know, Blessing doesn't have the same, I think, creativity that Gaber does. You know, Blessing is just really fast, and he's got—he's you know, got—he's got a good shot, and he's got good instinct to get into the box too. Yeah, Gaber, on the other hand, he's much, a little more technical of a player. He was taking guys on. He looked—he looked good. So I was impressed by him. Yeah, some of the announcers were. Limited time. Some of the announcers weren't really impressed with him. They said they want to see more of him. I want to see more of him because too. I thought he could be an impact player for this team. We talked about them not having depth, but guys like Gabber are proving that they have, they do have that depth. They have guys who can, you know, be impact players who have who have ability. Yeah, and I mean, look, let's face it, they're too deep at left back now, three deep at center back, two deep at right back, three deep at center mid, five deep in their attacking front four. That's not bad. That's sixteen guys if you include Tyler Miller in the goal. Yeah, and that, that an expansion team. Hey, that's 16 names you can put on the sheet every week when everybody's there healthy. I, I mean, can live jo- with that. We had jokes early on that 
they had like a, ten guys going into the seat, going into the draft. Yeah, or who's laughing now, right? Yeah, they. It, it seems like the guys that we didn't really know much about, like Gaber, um, like uh, what's his name? You know the uh, the winger. What are you talking? The, the uh, Colombian winger. Oh, the young kid. Atuesta? Atuesta. He, uh, he's not a winger, though. He's more of a center. Center attacking. He, he, drifted out to the, he drifted out to the wing a little bit in that game. That's why I saw People him, are like, but. how dare you call Atuesta the Colombian? Don't you know that when he comes into the team, we're never going to lose again? But, I mean. Snarky LAFC yeah. fans. I'm sure they I, already exist. If, if we have some LAFC fans watching, listening to the podcast, I, I apologize for not knowing that. But. I, I, I foresee him kind of... He did drift wide a lot, and I, he's someone I want to see. I he's th- a I creative player, more. so, I mean, he will probably move around a bit. It's just going to depend on, you know, what the situations are. Look, they sub him in for Kai K, oops, uh, in this game, and because they're chasing a goal. In the future, if you're trying to hold a lead, I'm not sure that's the sub you really want to make because, you know, he, he's not that great defensively, and obviously you want to you want to protect your lead as much as possible and i mean we'll see you know what they do going forward bob bradley the number one thing he has now is options yeah and that's that's not something we thought they'd have and that's and it's also usually never a bad thing um yeah you're i think urania at is going to need surgery on a facial injury after yeah the game. so that's another thing so that's so they're going to need the staff we almost reminded ourselves too lee win gets uh, traded there last night at the, just at the end of the deadline window, they say it's for seven hundred and fifty thousand, I believe, with it going up to possibly being nine hundred and fifty thousand for performance incentives, depending on what he does. I don't know if they're like Nagby incentives where they're never going to happen, but good transfer. I think it's a fine transfer. The only thing is, I I don't know that they needed. I get that they I, look. Here's the thing: this move strikes me as one that they made, knowing full well that when the World Cup comes, they're going to lose some pretty. Decent Rossi, chunk of the roster. Urania, not Rossi. Vela, Urania. Yeah, that's those are some attacking players, and I mean you need some Simon. people to get. Look, your team did not get worse adding Lee Win. That's number one. So, so that's and that's player. another attacking force player that it's going to be hard to keep this team out of the back of the net. Yeah, I mean, looked like uh, Stephen Fry had some trouble keeping them out as well. Oh my goodness! Well, I tell you what. Let's call to order this meeting of the goalkeepers' union. What does his what does his union rep have to say for him? So, I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I want to talk about goal when you know a goal is not going to happen versus when you do. This is a game where I felt a goal was going to be coming. Yeah, but it couldn't have come in a crappier way. <laughs> and listen, but I've I've been a critic of Stephen Fry before. I haven't really seen why people like him so much. He was good in the air today. Command of his box. Okay, check plus. Do good there. He did have one moment where he was getting to the back stick, and I think it was uh, Mark Anthony K rises above him and wins the header, but misses the target. And he and he, he's just faffing at the ball, going past him, and I thought that looked a little weak. This is a play that I, you just feel bad for the guy, because it, it seems so easy. It's there. He can get his body behind it. And he does mess up technically, but what that was it, brutal. It, like poor guy is probably, gonna, probably having trouble sleeping after that. Um, if you want me to go into the techniques behind it, it's actually pretty difficult dealing with a ball that you don't think you can catch that's coming into the basket catch range. Uh, and it looked like he was kind of caught between minds, but what a way to go. And, you know, luckily for him, it will not even be the worst goalkeeper reference we make on this podcast. Thanks to jumping overseas. Just quickly, we will congratulate Barcelona on their seventh La Liga title in the last ten seasons. Nothing, you don't have anything to add to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like watching Barcelona play a really technical team. But <laughs> what are you going to start seeing them doing in Europe soon? I know they did it under Pep, but... Only once. I actually get kind of surprised when but I... But they reached finals well, and yeah, semifinals. I have Only to say, I'm, I'm... Well, not no, once, they did, but they I said... They did it twice. In, like, recent times, I guess I should say that, like... It's kind of weird to go back and look at how many Champions League, like, I don't want to call them failures, but let's face it. Losing to Rome is a failure. Failures. Yeah, absolutely. In the Champions League that this team has. It's kind of remarkable that you you would associate mm-hmm. them, you would think, with more success in the continental competition. So Yeah. Speaking of teams that need to do absolutely. more. <laughs> so, two things, actually, that we need to get to. Number one. The, we talked about Serie A last week, so apparently it's basically back to being over thanks to uh, a crazy turn of events where Juve rise from the dead, two goals down, or not a goal down, and they score two to win the Derby d'Italia. 
which was just overall a crazy game. Remarkable. Early red card for uh, Matias Vecino. Uh, he steps on um, on Mario Mandzukic, and I can see why it's called. He does step on him. I don't know if it was purposeful. But Miralem Pjanic has at least three hard yellow card fouls, and I think he gets one of them given. Well, some some of them were potential red, were borderline. They were orange <laughs> cards, most of these. Yes. And he stays on the field. Inter come back somehow, get two goals man down in the lead. And what, like in the last like five minutes? Yes. Juve pulls two. Yeah, and then the nightmare continued for Napoli. They lost 3 nothing to Fiorentina. It's not over yet, but they'll need to make up four ma- uh, four points in three matches. It's I don't know if Juve's going to drop any more points now. And I think the interesting thing about that one was, obviously Fiorentina's been absolutely excellent since the passing of their captain, Davide Astori. It seems like they've really pulled together since then. But Kaladu Koulibaly, after rising up in the last minute to w- head home for a win over Juve, gets a red card in the seventh minute, and Napoli has to play man down for the rest of the game. Hero to goat, my God. Yeah, you want to talk about that. So, again, we'll keep an eye on that, but it looks like Juve probably has a stranglehold once again on winning that title. Mm-hmm. Move over to the Champions League. We Like we talked about, we were watching this one. Liverpool defeats Roma 7-6 on aggregate, so talk about a barn burner. Oh, Man, God. I tell you what, they scored Roma, the pe- Roma scored the penalty at the end, and I was like, oh, you got to give him at least a chance. you got to give him at least <laughs> a chance. The referee that. literally had them run it to the center circle just so he could basically blow the whistle as soon as it got I'm, kicked I'm off. I'm pretty sure they, they're supposed to do that. I don't think they generally blow the whistle before the ball goes back to the center circle. I, I, think, I don't think I've yet, I've yet to seen it. I've seen, it happens. I've seen kicks be the goals be the last kick of the game where the ref comes back, they kick it off, and then he blows it. I've seen it. A handful of times, yeah, so I, it didn't surprise me that much. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted a chance. Oh, just anything. I, you can believe me, I wanted it. Just too. any, like anything. Oh man, it would have been amazing. A little too little, too late. Too little, too late. So Liverpool do advance to the Champions League final. Not sure too many people would have had that at the beginning of the season. Uh, their defensive issues will need to get some kind of fix. I know they don't play any other way, so I mean, we might have a final that ends seven six. I mean, it's gonna be a pretty counterattacking game. You have the three for Real going forward. Sure, Liverpool is going to drop six back, and then the three—sorry, seven back—and then the three from Liverpool going against Real Madrid's defense. So that'll be a yeah. Exciting and game. speaking of Real Madrid, they did defeat Bayern four to three on aggregate. That's one of that. Uh, whatever. Look, there's one <laughs> thing I want to say. A direct message to Bayern, to their fans, to everybody. It must first of all, I understand it must be frustrating constantly getting eliminated before oh, even getting to the final. Yeah. But here's the other thing. Bayern score for fun on weekends. And in the middle of the week, it just doesn't seem to happen for them in the Champions League. Granted, against a, it's against a weaker Bundesliga. But uh, that's their fault. Like, they, yeah. they have they have to take uh, some responsibility for, for pushing weekend. the entire they, league. You, they literally buy their competition. I'm just, look, I get it. I understand why you do it. I Certainly, no one would turn down the opportunity to bring on Goretzka for free. But I'm just saying. You, the, the lesser competition in the Bundesliga is killing them, just like it's killing PSG, perhaps to an even stronger level in the case of PSG. We can talk about, you know, Juve made, a fi- made two finals in the last four years. They have a, string, a similar stranglehold in terms of winning the championship, but do. you can't talk about that they, they get pushed to the title every season. Very rarely do they run away with it. Juventus? Yes. Oh, it's usually, it's usually, no. it's, not, it's not like this. It's, it's not as egregious as this. It's not as, as egregious as this. But on the, on the other hand, they do poach players in the league. They do, they do, but Gonzalo the league, is, but the league stays competitive. Miralem Pjanic from Roma. The, the league is competitive this year, but it hasn't been in history. Um and I think it comes down to them losing some guys that recently lost Leonardo Bonucci, who was a stalwart in their defense. Um, they brought in guys that haven't really been convincing. But look, so I want to make my point here. Okay, it's a four. Point. It's a four point gap last season between them and Roma. Nine point gap between them and Napoli the year before that. Okay, that's fair. Okay, seventeen point gap before that, but that's that. You know, mm-hmm. we can throw that one oh, out the window. Yeah, seventeen point gap again the year before. So uh, more recently, it has been more competitive. Yeah. and I think, and again, <laughs> that it was comes down to guys like Marquisio being injured a lot, losing Pirlo, who are really dominant. Uh, Barzali getting older, Buffon getting older. <laughs> Listen, you could look at that four point year, and I guarantee you, if you look at when they won the title, they won it way earlier and kind of just coasted to the end. That's probably yeah. I do I do sort of because remember I do remember Roma. 
I do remember Roma making a very, very late push and then not being able to like get Fair a result stuff. very late yeah. that would have kind of put real pressure on. So I, it's, it's starting to happen, which is great to see. But Bayern... The league's being more competitive would be better for everybody. The Bayern, that German league is not competitive at all. And, and Bayern haven't been all that convincing this year in Champions League. And another thing, too... Lewandowski, when was the last time he scored a big-time goal in the Champions League? Because I, I, I can't find it. I don't think it, not this year, that's for sure. It, it has been so long. If it has ever happened at all, I don't want to you know, say things like that to him because I'm, he had great years at Borussia Dortmund. And at Bayern. And he's at Bayern. Really he's, he's, he's had Bayern. a good year this year, too, but not in the Champions League. Well, he has in the past. He's been good in the Champions League in the past. This year... Not his it's, it's rough. So, so, something's going on. We will see. They don't have the, I guess they just don't, I don't know, they don't have the fortitude a, inside a, of them to score because they had so many chances. The reports that players were frustrated him not taking it seriously in practice. So maybe he's kind of went on cruise control. Perhaps that's the case as well. Anyway, we're going to wrap this thing up. 22 teams in action this weekend in MLS. D.C. United taking the week off, so perhaps That'd some be time to build. battle of the best teams in the league then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, national TV Saturday, 155 Eastern, New York Red Bulls versus NYCFC in the Hudson River Derby on ESPN. Looking forward to that one. Should be a fun one. Absolutely. And then 4 p.m., LAFC host FC Dallas on Univision. Uh, Univision Deportes, I guess I should specify. Interested... In the New York Derby, we both are. Absolutely. Uh, I, LAFC versus FC Dallas could be interesting, depending on how well Dallas is able to replicate sort of their, well, I don't want to say defensive because they got they lost 3-1 to NYCFC and they're having to go to LAFC, which will be no easy task for any team going but forward. previous undefeated record. Yeah, they're, they're, this is a team forward. that's been getting results basically in every game up until that. So I'm interested to see how they play against LAFC. Going into the Bank of California Stadium, of course, too. Yes. yes. Uh, my match of the week. I'm going to give you some love here. Toronto versus the Philadelphia Union on Friday How night at you? 8. Simply put, someone is going to have to win this game. It could be a draw. You could, but I don't think so. Someone's, Someone's going to win this game. I would put my money on someone winning this game. And that's funny because it's like in the battle of, like, again, Union had to play the two lowest teams in the league. One of them Something Toronto. tells me this one's a little different. Yeah, no, this one's not. And they have to go into Toronto again. Uh, I'm, I'm really surprised you picked this one because this has blowout. As a potential, perhaps that's I'm, why I'm I hoping not. It. The Union have always pushing the attack. Hopefully, it doesn't come back to bite them. I'm picking the New York Derby. I got some buddies going to that it's game. Too easy, man. That's why. Uh, some guys have played at Wesley and Ad are going to Harrison, New Jersey, to watch Red Bulls play in New York City. Wish we'd be there with them. That this seems like it's gonna be the best Derby of New York Derby yet because it's two teams. Oh, this, this could be. This could be fun. Yes, are absolutely. Really, really attacking oriented. So end end stuff. Hopefully. Uh, so that's it. Uh, that's all the time we have here on the American Soccer Show. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher for all your American soccer talk. Till next week, I'm Emmett McConnell, alongside Eric Alcantar, signing off. <laughs>